All right. Thank you, Rick. Thank Rick. He said we put this together. That was a he put it together. So he did a good job. Thank you. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. And we got um we got a lot going on. And here's the deal. Also, that four percent what he was talking about. Um, just to clarify the word banking, we have some we have some old air conditioning units, all right. That um, which I know everybody likes AC um, in Florida in the summer for sure. So the the portion that we're doing that four percent is going into an AC replacement fund, uh, knowing that these some of them are uh, what are they eighteen years old or something like that. So they're on their way out. Uh, so we just want to be wise about that. All right. So, uh, well, I'm going to wrap up this series called Move uh, today. I'm excited uh, for today, but I'm also excited for what's coming up next month, which is our uh, missions uh, emphasis month. And so what we've done is uh, we've, we're going to have four people in that are going to speak, uh, and they're going to show us what's going on and where those monies are going. You know, every time I, I talk with one of my friends that is in the ministry, and tell them that our church uh, has a missions budget of $50,000 uh, that is given uh, by commitments to, from the congregation. They are amazed. They're like, are you serious? Right? Uh, also the same reaction when they said that, you know, they're like, so how many people did you lose, dude? I'm like, oh, we didn't lose anybody. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's crazy. I thought people would be running for the hills. But um, <laughs> no, give it time. That's right. It's, we're, we're, we're still young in this. So, um, no, so, no, but seriously, just I want to just say to you guys, I mean, you guys are rock and roll, honestly. Uh, when we think about this, and I think about $50,000 voluntarily given uh, for missions so that we can support uh, 14 or 15 local and global missionaries. That is amazing uh, when we do that. And so, yeah, you got it's fine. Yeah. Also, you guys step up. I mean, you know, the septic goes out. I mean, I, you know, who want? And we had the pot, porta potties. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and then we have people give so that we can send, you know, those, uh, those 204 boxes, that was awesome enough that you gave that. Then we have a person that gives so that shipping can take place. You know, that's huge, right? And so that kind of stuff. And uh, so it's good. We've got a lot of stuff that's going good. Uh, and uh, we're, I'm excited about 2017. I'm excited about what's coming up. And so I want to just speak to that. Um, Today in this last uh, series, last part of this series called Move, uh, we've been doing some, some reading. If you guys are just, you know, new here, you haven't been here for the last three weeks or you weren't here last week, we've been trying to go through each week and then do some contemplative reading, spending some time and maybe some silence before God and just, and just kind of reading slower and smaller passages and then seeing what God uh, would say to us through those. Um, and so... Uh, you know, last week was uh, Matthew 24, 36 through 40, uh, where, what does it talk about, you know? 22, 22 I'm sorry, did I say 24? Um, oof, okay, so 22, what's it talk about? Two greatest commandments, all right? And, and so when we talk about that, 
Well, we're going to see this culmination of move is it's not just an exercise that we're trying to do, all right? It's, it's not just that we're, we're trying to be better people. We're trying to become and allow Christ to form us into His image, okay? Let me say that again. We're not trying to become Christ because I know that's what it sounded like. We are trying to allow Christ to form us into His image. And so, this tells us, you know, well, hey, basically that Scripture sums up, is summed up in our mission statement. Love God, love people. And that's what needs to happen. And so, we need to do that not only inside of our local body here, but we need to do that outside of these four walls as well. Uh, This week, if you guys would, Philippians, this is, if you want to do this, Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Philippians 2, 6 through 11 is going to be uh, your reading uh, for this week. Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Good stuff. Okay, so look. Christ, the attitude, having the attitude of Christ is what that is. And so, Philippians 2, 6 through 11. And here's what we're doing. If you're, if you're, if you're saying, well, what is that? Okay, read through that silently and then read it aloud. Read it slowly. Take it easy when you're reading it, okay? And then read it again. And then for the fourth time, say, God, what would, what would you say to me in this? And as you read it for the fourth time, slowly read through it. Let God highlight some stuff to you. See what he's saying, okay? And then maybe just sit there quietly for a bit and take that in, all right? And so that's what we want to do. I want to ask you guys also, it's the 29th of January. Uh, You know, we're almost a month uh, has gone by in 2017 already. Uh, And we are also picking a word, a word for the year, all right? Jamie, love that. Uh, It's good stuff, all right? You guys get excited when Jamie comes up here? I do too, man. I never know what he's going to say. I like it. And so, ignite, all right, for the kids. And move was for me. And Jen was soul. And, and, and you guys are hopefully looking into that and saying, God, what, what would be the word that you would, that you would, uh, that I could use this year and that I can pray over and pray about? Um, so that we can, I can want to see you move. And I encourage you to keep doing that. If you haven't chosen a word yet, I encourage you to do that. Um, but we're going to talk about move today. Again, to keep in motion, to prompt, actuate, or impel to some action, to advance or progress. And remember when we talked about the difference between uh, people often speak of change without progress. And change without progress is just rearranging the deck. All right, there's still 52 cars there. There's been no progress that's been made, all right? And so when progress has to be made, and, and last week we concentrated on Acts 4, and we saw what was going on here in Acts 4. We saw the first jailing, all right, that's going to happen, and, and they're going to be uh, brought before the council. Uh, Peter and John are brought before the council, and they're going to just basically berate them, and they're going to say, what are you doing? You've got to stop sharing. They question, then they question uh, the council and give a retort. Uh, Peter does, and the council is stunned by his response, and they were like, these are just normal people. 
how in the world could they address us like this, all right? Not realizing fully that they had spent, you know, uh, three and a half years or more with Christ, okay? So they were being trained by the man, all right? And, and so they have um, full knowledge of what his capability was, uh, and they have, I wouldn't say a full understanding, but they have an understanding of what, who, and who Christ was and what he was capable of. And so we see this uh, happen. They, they, they're perplexed. They don't know what to do. They send them out of the council area. Uh, they discuss, what are we going to do with these guys? They bring them back in, and, and they say, you need to stop, okay? And they threaten them, uh, which Peter replies, do you think that God wants us to obey you rather than him? And so as they threaten them again, uh, they're brought uh, back, or they're released, and they're told again, do not do this anymore. Uh, and they go, and they pray with the believers, and the believers uh, are going to say uh, this in verse 30 of chapter 4 in Acts. And if you're there, I think it's going to come up on the screen. I don't know. It is, I promise. In three, two, one. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Acts 4, Acts 4 chapter 30. Cha what I say? Obviously. Hang with me, people, okay? Jeez. All right, cool. Hey, I, I want to say this, too, because um, we, we, we oftentimes just forget this. These guys back in the tech booth, okay, you know, seriously, they come in every week. Sometimes they come boating uh, Red Bull because they're, <laughs> they're whipped from working the night before. But they, they tear it up. They really do. Uh, and they're learning a new program right now. Um, and so I really do. I thank you guys seriously for what you're doing back there. It's huge. And so we have a Maserati for you. Um, now... So we have this going on, and it says this, and this is the one that caught my eye right here, is because they're praying and crying out to God that they can have boldness. Uh, they're going to after this, but in verse 30, check this out. It says, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they preached the Word of God with boldness. And so what they're doing is this. They're in, they're in pursuit of Christ. They're in pursuit of seeing, in fact, hey, He taught us to pray like this, your, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so they're praying, would, would I bow down to what you are saying I should do, high counsel, when... The kingdom is, and the understanding of the kingdom is way outside of what you guys know. And so what they're saying here is they're asking for boldness, but the, the thing that caught me the most was in 30 where it says, stretch out your hand. And I said, well, what, is that, what does that hand look like? What does that hand of God look like? When they, when they said this, I think they said it with some intentionality, is this, that the hand of God is outstretching. 
when we, so when we sang that song this morning, who is like our God? There is no one like our God. And so we find ourselves, you know, in my own life, I like to put God too often in a logical progression that is linear, correct? Okay, because if I can think logically about God and I can put Him in a box, then I can figure Him out, you know? I can know the questions, why did you make mosquitoes, all right? I can know these things, okay? And so here's what I know, though, too. I'm cognitively in my brain, I'm aware that God far exceeds anything that I could explain, that God's intentions are well beyond mine, that God has a a purpose that is driving, that has a story that was began in the beginning, whenever that was, because it always was, and then He decides to create. And so I have a limited understanding But I say things like, God, I trust you. And then when something goes awry, my reaction is to immediately depend on myself. And I know it says, lean not on your own understanding. You see? And but we have this reaction, right? Where it's like, oh, God, what's going on? You know? And where God's surprised, okay, by what's happening. For months, uh, Jen and I, we've been wanting to do repairs on our house. If you guys don't know, uh, two years ago, we bought a house that was built in 1941. Um, some of you under your breath said mistake. Um, but <laughs> the deal is this. It was built in 1941. Fortunately, the people that had, uh, owned, had owned it before us took very good care of it, had made some improvements, but there's still some improvements that need to be done. Uh, for example, we have, a, we, have a, we have a window in our shower. A wood frame window. Calm down. We have the frosty stuff, okay? Um, but we have a window. We, we don't have neighbors. That's also a key, okay? Um, they're like way away. And so, um, but we have a wood frame window in a shower. Let's say that again. We have a wood frame window in a shower. And so the guy that's working on our house takes a little, you know, Phillips head screwdriver and just goes like this through the frame of the window, okay? So it's rotten, and so that leads to, that can lead to major water damage, and we don't want that, all right? And so there's some other stuff, the side, some of the sidings, uh, it's cedar siding, and some of it's rotting and, and broken, and, uh, and it, the house needs to be painted desperately, all right? Three of the French doors, Three of the three French doors need to be replaced. Um, three of the three, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, uh, need to be replaced. Uh, the bathrooms, uh, they need to be redone. I always tell myself though, with kids, this is why we can't have nice stuff. All right, you walk in and there's a door sitting on the floor. How'd that happen? Cabinet door, not a door. That'd be ridiculous, okay? I'm like, what, what happened? I don't know. Somebody does. Why do I ask that question? Stupidest question a parent can ask with multiple children. Who did this? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, gosh. So anyways... Well, I didn't realize this, we, and we got a couple bids in, and the, and the bids, one came back, it was real favorable and of recent, 
um, and um, really good guy that's going to do all this stuff, right? Well, you know, it costs money, I found out. That's going <laughs> to, I'm like, what? Are you serious? And so, um, so I had this account, and we go into this account, we're going to access this larger amount of money, and we're going to draw it out, and then the government wants taxes. I'm like, but I already pay taxes. You're going to take, no, it's your money except for the money that's not your money. So I was like, dang. So that made a big difference in what we we're going to be able to do, right? And so, and it's not like this, uh, it's, I was telling people, it's not like I'm saying like, oh, I just want to put in a botanical garden at my house, you know? It's like this is stuff needs to be done, all right? And so I was sad. First, I was ticked. I'm on the phone with the woman. I say, you know, you're on the phone with these people, and it's not their fault. You're, I'm just like, that's brutal. That's brutal, man. This is what I'm going to get out of this amount. I'm thinking, good grief, what a racket. But, you know, people got to pay for stuff. So, um, so I was ticked, and then I was sad, and then I was so ticked. It was a combination of sad and ticked. All right? I changed those words because I had some different ones, but I wasn't going to share it up here. And so, but I was reacting. I was. I was reacting, you know. And if my thought process would have been put out on a piece of paper, I would have said, God, what are you doing? You know these repairs need to be done. What are, what's going on? I had X amount of dollars. Now I don't have that. But the repairs still cost that What's going on? And so here I am. I'm sitting here, and I'm really asking myself, and we're often caught in this, right? Like, like this, like I said earlier, like this surprised him. Does God care? You know, and we're talking about house repairs here, right? Like when we put our house repairs on the scope of human history and on the timeline of human history, it's not even a bleep. And so I'm asking God, I'm like, God, what are, what are we going to do after I calm down and realize that, you know what, I'm not in control of the situation, that God's in control of the situation. And, and here's the thing, it's so strange, what we're going to talk about in a few minutes, it's so strange that we have this concept of, of a God that's, that created all things but cares about us. That's, that's what's crazy about this whole thing about God. And, and so I know you guys in this room, you felt the feeling of isolation. You felt like no one cares, including God. You've even doubted and said, God, are you, do you, are you here? And like we talked about last week, you might be at the intersection of crazy and chaos right now. And you might be wondering, what in the heck is going on in my life? And God is not wondering what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in your life. Turn with me to Isaiah 40, if you would. What does the hand of the Lord look like as referred to in chapter 4 of Acts, verse 30? See, when we see Isaiah, Isaiah 40 is giving hope to a people that were in captivity. Isaiah 40, the prophecy was about 99 years before the captivity happened. 
Isaiah was writing 99 years before, a letter of encouragement 99 years before the event even happened. And so if we look at this, they were exiled in 586, and they remained in exile under the Babylonians till 539. And we have to understand, again, about 100 years this was written, this portion of Isaiah was written 100 years before the event happens. And so this, this portion of uh, chapters 40 through 55 are about the comfort and grace found in Christ, really found in the Lord, and that is going to be found in Christ. And so we have to understand the, the backdrop to what we're about to read, the backdrop to what we're about to read is captivity. Does everybody understand that? So we're there, we're under Babylonian control, Okay. And so, let's go from there. Isaiah 40. Turn with me there. We're going to take a little bit longer. I'm sorry, Jamie. It's three after. Jamie does this thing in children's church where he starts to play music real loud at 1130. That cues me to shut up. (laughs) Can I get a little grace, though, because Rick was going through the booklet? Is that cool? I'm all right. Here we go. And so... And I'm not kidding. If you hear music playing, that's cue, all right? And so, um, so here we are. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11, it, it says this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all of her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. I ask, what do I shout? Shout that people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quick as the flowers in the field. The grass withers and the, f- and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the, our God stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintop. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and don't And do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother's sheep with their young. And as we look at this, we have to realize that this is exactly what the people were doing in Acts 4. They were boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus Christ that makes flat the mountains, that makes straight the curved paths, that levels the playing field. See, when we talk about this as servants of Christ and as followers of Jesus Christ, here's what the deal is. We are to proclaim with boldness the reality and the truth of Jesus Christ, no matter what the situation is. It speaks of a coming restoration. 
That is not to be, this is not to be delivered. When it says shout, it's saying shout. Well, what do I shout? It's a boldness that is found in the words of Isaiah. See, we proclaim the truth with the shout. See, I, wanna, I want us to, to back up a little bit here and look at this and, and make straight highway through the wasteland. Clear the way through the wilderness. See, these people knew all too well about this. They knew about wilderness. They knew about exile. They were on a continuous pattern of this. They knew about the closeness of relationship with God, and then they knew about turning their backs on Him. But they knew about the power of God. See, and what we do and what we need to realize is that, that this carries over. The story doesn't end in Isaiah, and it was just for those people. The story carries over when they say they were asking for boldness to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. It was the same boldness that this is talking about. See, God has a story that is not going to end, and we are woven into it. We get to proclaim with boldness. We get to go and we get to do, like Jamie said, we get to do this stuff and we get to see our kids do this stuff. In Isaiah 40, 12 and 14, it says this, The Lord has no equal. Who else has held the oceans in His hand? Who has measured off the heavens with His fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth and has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give Him advice or teach Him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does He need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach Him what is right or show Him the path to justice? I want us to think about this for a second. And the, and the, an, the clear answer, what the answer is saying is their rhetorical questions. The answer is no one and no are the answers. I want us to get this picture about God. I want to, I want to get the picture of, of God hovering above emptiness. And then God says, let there be light. And this, this mass, and we don't know the exact occurrences, mass of light occurs, okay? And we don't know if it was seven days literally. Who cares? Here's the deal. God spoke and there was. And so the first line there that says this, who has held the oceans in His hand? Who has held the oceans in His hand? The oceans, all right? That's crazy to think about. Okay, so this is an all-commanding God, and we, we have to come to the knowledge that God is so much greater than we make Him out to be. Oftentimes, I believe we use God as a vending machine without the reality of that He cares deeply about us, and He created us. He, cre he created us and cared about us before He spoke those words, let there be light. He cared about you, and guess what? He cared about the person that annoys you. He cares about the person that has a different political view than you. 
We have to understand this. We have to grasp this. I'm going to say this. I believe it with my heart. As Americans, we have committed idolatry when it comes to looking to our government for the answers. We have put the government in a place of idolship. See, because we can craft it. I can vote for that person. I can do this. I can craft government. I can craft legislation. And I think that I'm going to craft righteousness by our hands. And we're not. And he's going to speak to this later on in the passage. See, I think that we need to sit in silence sometimes and we need to take in the vastness of what God can do. And when we do that, when we sit there in that silence, if anybody been in the presence of God before, you're just in silence and you're just basking it in, that is a minuscule thing that you're realizing. Does everybody get that? To be in the presence of God. See, if you're in the full presence of God, you don't exist anymore. You're gone. Bye. All right? What does it say of Moses? When, when he came out, what did they have to do to his face? They had to cover it because his face was glowing. All right? What does it say about Stephen? When the, when, the, when the Spirit of the Lord came on him, everyone looks in the room and says what? His face was shining like an angel. The Spirit of the Lord was on him. And so when we, when we think about this, we're not dealing with a fickle God here. And there's this, almost, there's this almost dichotomy that's taking place here of this God that's all reigning, that reigns and has created everything, yet doesn't need really us, but decides to use us and then cares for us right where we're at and cares about the situation you're in. It's really when you, when you start to take that in, a, a God that can, uh, the God, the only God, that can speak stuff into existence. There it is. That is an overwhelming reality. Verses 15 through 17 say this, No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. There is nothing, they are nothing more than dust on the scales. All the nations of the world. So what does that make me? If I'm in that nation, am I like a molecule in his eyes? I'm tiny. I mean, scale it out. Like, what is going on here? Like, but we put ourselves in a, in a position where we think we're the center of the universe. My problems were the only ones. God knows what you're going through. He picks up the whole earth as though it was a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all the... All Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they could count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. Think about this for a second, if you would, with me. It says in here, you know, do we think honestly that we can outgive God? Do we think honestly, as in the Old Testament when they brought the burnt offering and, and you cut uh, the throat of the sacrifice uh, that was given? Cool side note here. This is awesome. When we talk about sacrifice, God knows about sacrifice. He sent His only Son. 
when they did the um, Passover, when they're going to leave Egypt, do you understand? When there's instruction to bring that lamb, the sacrifice, into their home for two weeks, do you guys know what that was? That was because they needed to have a connection to that sacrifice when we were going to take care of it inside of our own home. If I go and grab something out of a field and kill it, that doesn't mean anything to me. When I bring it into my home and I make it part of the family and it's there for two weeks and the kids are petting it and I'm petting it and we named it, you know, Curly Q there, and we're, we name it, now we have to sacrifice this thing. This is huge. And so when we talk about this, when we talk about the burnt offering, that's an atoning offering that was for, you know, there was a sin offering that's an atoning offering, but the burnt offering is the whole thing is offered. He's saying this, all of Lebanon's forests and all of the animals that in it, if you burned it up into a burnt offering, it wouldn't be enough. And so what he's talking about through these chapters then is he's going to reveal the fact that the one that's coming, the Messiah that's coming, is the gap Builder, the builder of the bridge that allows us to come over into the presence of God. And his name in that bridge is called Jesus Christ. And so the urgency of the message here is huge. Do we understand that we can't give enough? We're never going to be good enough because Christ has to be within us who makes us good enough, who bridges that gap. And so you can give and you can say, God, but I gave my offering. God, I did this. You can't outgive God. But a flicker, I mean, he picks up the earth. It's a grain of sand. What? So there's something that has to make up for that lack, and that something is Jesus Christ who puts us in a right position with, with God. Hang with me. Verse 18 says this, to whom can you compare God? Again, he's going back to this because I think he's really, he's asking these questions like, like, hey, guys, like snap out of it. Look at, look at what's going on here. Who can you compare to God? What, what image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in, in a mold overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words He gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to Him. He spreads out the heavens like curtain and makes a tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They can hardly get started, barely taking root when the wind blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Check this out. God is the only person that can make a statement like that and not be egotistical. He's the only one. He's not bragging. He's stating facts. 
Listen, I hovered over there. I saw what was going on, and then I spoke, and it happens. I wasn't doubting that when I spoke, this was going to happen. When I, when I created um, uh, Eve from Adam, I didn't, I didn't doubt that when I took the rib out and created this other being that it was going to happen. I didn't doubt when I, when I scooped down into the, to the dirt and I, I breathed into it, I didn't doubt that something was going to be formed there that was great. And out of that rib, I was going to form something that was going to be really cool. I didn't doubt that. I knew what was going on there. Who is like our God? And so there is no egotistical thing going on there. He knows that he's awesome. But it's different. It's not like me. This is obviously a hypothetical. It's not like I get off the weight bench and I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys noticed. But seriously, okay? That's, uh, you guys are like, what? Um, noticed what? He's not bragging, though. He's simply saying there is no one. See, and he's reminding these people, too. Every time that you put something in front of me that you made, how can, how can the created say to the creator, this is good. This idol, what he's saying here, your idols have done nothing for you. Did your idol speak into existence, into the darkness, and make stuff appear? Did your idol do that? Has your idol kept you out of exile? Has your idol drawn you close in to my presence? And in 26 through 31, it says this, look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? Who brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name? Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you ever, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all earth. He knows, he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fail in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not faint. See, humans need a source of recharging. I need to sleep. I'm tired. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm hopefully recharged because hopefully I had a good night's sleep, and then I'm recharged. See, and that's where the box that we put God in, that, God, surely you're tired right now of me asking you these questions. Surely you're tired of my request, and your, your ear is falling, you know, my words are falling short of your ear. But surely, no. Here's what the statement is. Surely you've put God in a box that he's tired of you. 
Surely we put God in a box where he doesn't listen. Surely we put God in a box where you don't matter to him. And the reality is just the opposite. Our God is never growing weary. The strength giver is a constant source of strength. And so when we see this, the descriptive of his greatness gives us insight into his awesomeness. He's unlike human beings that require recharging. He is not dependent on us, yet desires to use us. As we read verse 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find strength. They will soar like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will not fall and faint. So today I want to encourage you that God has his hand on you. He is in love with you and he cares for you. He desires to use you. I believe this with all my heart, Lakeland Vineyard. He desires to use you as a mountain flattener, as a curve straightener, as a smoother of the rough places, as the carrier of the message of Jesus Christ that is eternal. That is overarching anything that we could hope for. Any policy that we could hope for. Any car that we want. Anything that we desire to happen in our life. Any stray person that you have in your family that doesn't know Jesus Christ. Any broken relationship. The message of Jesus Christ has come to restore things. And restore hope. Real hope in our lives. Our God is bigger than our needs and He's bigger than our troubles. He's our strength when we're weak. He's our refuge in times of troubles. He has written us. Now think about this for a second. He has written us into his story. And here's what he desires is that every person, tribe, tongue, and nation is written into his story and not from a place of cognitive knowledge of Jesus, but through a life that goes from head to heart and serves him with all that we are. See, I'm convinced of this. There are people that are walking around that are, quote, saved because they said a prayer. And they're not following Christ. See, the, 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 the rubber meets the road when we have to start to follow Him, where our lives have to be a reflection of, we're going to mess up, we're going to be jacked up, that's just how it is. But what is the heart saying? Is the heart in pursuit of a relationship with Christ? Are we giving up our lives so that we can become more like Christ to impact others? And so he has written us into his stories, and it's so great and gracious that he does that, and his heart is to hold us and to see us grow in love for him and in love for others. And so like the believers in Acts 4 I want to encourage you with this, with boldness, to proclaim the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. I implore you to trust in the Lord that you might find strength. I appeal to you to revitalize your faith in Christ, that you may soar like an eagle. I would urgently ask that you accept Christ as the Lord of your life, so that you can run this good race and then not become weary because your strength isn't found in yourself, but it's found in the Lord. I encourage you, if we, if we go back, I encourage you with this, so that you might know the Lord is your shepherd that you might not want, that you may rest in green meadows as he leads you beside peaceful streams. He renews your strength. He guides you along right paths, bringing honor to his name. 
Even when you walk through the darkest valley, you will not be afraid because God is close beside you. His rod and his staff protect you and comfort you. He prepares a feast for you in the presence of your enemies. You will honor. You honor him by anointing the head of the of the head with oil. He honors you. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. God honors you. Your cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord. As we look at this further, we have to say this. This is not just for something that we can do. We have to say to this end, too, that so by His divine power, God has given everything we need for, the, for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to Himself by the means of marvelous and glory and excellent. And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable us to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by humans. It's so that we can come to the realization that the teacher, we asked the teacher, God, what is the most important thing in the law of Moses? And he would reply to us and he'd say this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, all your mind. The first and the greatest commandment is this. The second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. It's not so we can be a self-serving community that watches how good Lakeland Vineyard can do in the community. It's so that people's lives around this place are impacted. It's so that when we walk out these doors, there's, we're on a mission, and it's not to get to lunch. It's to impact the people that are around us. It's so when we look outside and we take a left out of this building, when we look at the neighborhood that we've adopted, that our hearts pour out for people that don't know Jesus Christ, and we're just and injustice is happening, that the Lord would lay down the path and flatten the mountains that are in our way. That is what the reality of the message of Jesus Christ is. When we get into Isaiah 40, he is not just speaking to a people that are centuries ago. He's speaking to a people that are right here, right now. He's speaking to people that have not yet come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's speaking to you, people that are going to lead people to Christ. He's speaking to us right now, and he's saying, have Let me have my way in your life. This is what he's saying. I'm excited, yeah. You know why? Because I believe that God is going to use people that have doubted themselves for years and said, do I really have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And you're going to wake up and you're going to realize that God is in pursuit of you full on. That he's saying to you, there is no one greater than me. I ask you the question, but it's rhetorical, and the answer is no. Who is greater than me? The answer is no one. Who do you have your dependence on? It should be on me, Jesus Christ, who you're trying to become like. Our hearts need to be filled with compassion and with the passion of Christ that we can go out and we can make a difference. Let me tell you something. There's not anyone in this room that with the power of Jesus Christ living in them is a weak reed. You and of yourself and your human nature are weak, but when you have the power of Jesus Christ and you're saying, God, I want to do the things that you want to do, I want to say the things that you want to say, you're going to go out with the power of the Spirit, and you are going to be like Peter where they question, who is this common person? 
Does he have a degree? Does he do this? Does she know? How does she know that about me? And we're going to get to speak into people's lives. Listen, the other day I went to go get a five-gallon bucket of paint. And Lewis, who was helping me, was not feeling good. Matter of fact, he's described it in ways that I won't describe right now. But he was not feeling good. He was feeling like a pile of duke. All right? That's what he said. So I had this decision to make, which wasn't really a decision. It was, this guy doesn't feel good. Should I pray for him? I'm looking around. I'm in, you know, I'm in PPG here. I mean, there's three other people. There's three other employees. There's a painter back here. And I'm just at the counter, and I'm scoping the scene. Where am I going to take this guy to pray for him? And this thought's going through my mind. And I said, and I finally just said, shut up to myself. Shut up. You're going to get up week in and week out and talk about, you know, taking a risk, a real risk praying for someone. I mean, can we, can we please, can we please as a congregation get a scope on what we, a lens on what we refer to as risk? We got a guy who we support, him and his wife, who's sitting in jail right now. And I'm worried about asking a guy across the counter in a free country if I can pray for him. And I'm calling that risk. We need to get a, we need to get a grip. And we need to get a reality check. What does it mean to follow Christ? Well, it means this. It means, Lewis, you feel like crap. Can I pray for you? You know what he said? Oh, yeah, dude. I don't know what happened. But I know this. God wants that. What's the big deal? Oh, you don't feel any better? Okay. Oh, no. Let me go home and cry. Okay. Seriously, if we come up here and we say, yeah, we want to see the kids ignited. We want to see. I mean, how about that? When you're asking for more, the kids are right in front of you. We have got to come to a place of absolute desperation for God. We have got to come to a place where we are putting everything we have into what He wants to do. And I do believe this, and I don't just say this, okay? Because if I would, I don't do that. I believe this, that there's people sitting here right now that God is going to ignite something in you that you are going to look different than you did before. You're going to pursue life differently. You're going to talk to your children differently. You're going to treat your spouse differently. You're going to treat your coworker differently. And what is it for? So that you can become more like the image of Christ so that you can draw people, the Holy Spirit can draw people to Himself through you. Man, we are on a mission. And here's what I would encourage you. Don't look back. Look where God has you written in the story right now. Because that's what's important. If you have someone that doesn't know Christ, be Christ to them. That's what you can do. Well, I'm just not gifted at anything. So what? You are gifted at something. And let me tell you something. You can let the Holy Spirit flow through you. And so I encourage everyone in this room, 
Yeah, okay, we look at the budget. It's gone down, 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 down. What are we going to look there and say, oh, God, what are you doing? You know, but I'm convinced of this. I am absolutely 100% convinced of this. If we're not going to be a church that's reaching out, if we're not going to be a church that is going out from here as, it's, as the people of Lakeland Vineyard, and we're not going to be going out on our own without people holding our hand, and we're not going to go out, and we're not going to minister to people, let's shut it down. Let's shut it down. Okay, I don't, I don't want to be the CEO of Lakeland Vineyard Country Club. I don't want to be ahead of it. I'll go somewhere else. I'll get to sleep in on Sunday morning. I might go to Somos because it's on Saturday night and I can sleep. <laughs> you know, let's be serious. How many of you guys, and you guys are like, what are you talking about? I'm serious as I can be. If we're not going to go out, and here's what I know, numbers. Okay, yeah, numbers. Guess what? The more people come, guess what? We get to introduce them to Jesus Christ. How does it happen? I can tell you right now it don't happen because of a cool, cool sign. It happens because of the Holy Spirit. Hey, come, man, come check out what's going on. How many of you guys want to see that? I want to see it, all right? And so I just encourage you, I do, dig in to what God wants to do. Get connected here at the vineyard, you know? We have these dinner clubs. Sign up. Ah, I don't know if I want to. Who cares? Do it anyways. Show up, all right? You are going to be glad you did, you know? Small groups are going to be coming up. Uh, I don't know. What don't you know, all right? And I'm serious when I say I love you guys, but I'm going to say this to you, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, and I'm saying it with love. Please hear me. And I said it to the, to the newcomers last week is this. If you're saying, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be involved in the connect groups. I don't want to be involved in the small groups. I don't want to serve at Lakeland Vineyard. I tell you this, there's a lot of nice churches in Lakeland. But this is where we're headed. And because I believe this is what God's saying to us. And I really, really would love to see you get involved. Because in that connection, there's going to be healing. There's going to be restoration. There's going to be boldness that comes out. And we're going to get to see, I'm convinced of it, that neighborhood over there is going to be flipped upside down for Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you, get involved. All right? Man. Jamie's going to punch me in the throat. All right. We're good? We're good. Okay. Open your Bibles again. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Okay, Genesis 1, all right, we're going through the whole thing today, all right? No, man, I do, I just, man, I love you guys, I really do, and I want to see you guys used. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be incredible, the transformation's going to take place. And so, um, you know, we got those connect cards, uh, we got the offering envelopes, they get dropped if you guys... Uh, if it's your first time here, you're under no obligation, okay? I'm not asking you to give. If you're connected, I'm asking you, saying, God, what do you, what do you want 
me to give? What can I give sacrificially to you? And, um, and then, you know, just do that. And then we're going to drop those connect cards and, and, the, um, and the little churches back in the back there. Also, if you're, a, if you're an LV Dinner Club leader, okay, we're going to have a short meeting uh, immediately after service. Um, and also, uh, so that's going to be back in the children's youth room. And also, if you, if you gave this year, uh, Jen has worked very hard at giving uh, your giving statements, which will be able to be picked up from Jen back there, all right? Uh, if there's any discrepancy with that, what I would ask you is calm down, okay? We're going to work, we're, I swear, we're going to work it out, okay? Uh, but let her, let her hand the stuff out, all right? I don't know if you guys have handed stuff out and then people are throwing numbers at you. You're like, what? I do not have a calculator right here, okay? And so um, I encourage you to pick those up, though. Uh, especially if you're getting your taxes done within the next little bit here. Uh, so, stand with me. I just want to, um, I just want to proclaim freedom in this group. Freedom to boldly proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, the message that has drawn us in, the message that has changed our lives. For some of us, has flipped our lives upside down. For some of us, it has turned us directly in a 180-degree pattern because we were headed down the wrong path. We were flattening mountains, okay? And we were making straight roads, cur roads curvy, but not in a good way, all right? Flattening mountains, probably flattening people. But I'm going to tell you this, God wants to use you in a, in a magnificent way. When we say move, it, that's what it means. Be moved by the Holy Spirit as He guides you, as you're out in the public place that God would take your life and you'd say, here, God, it's yours. What do you want to do? Pray with me. God, thank you for this day. Just another day, the 29th of January, 2017, but it's a day that we're in your presence, God. And it doesn't end here. God, we carry you with us. You're in us, and you desire to use us. If we call on your name as, as Lord, that your desire is, is to use us right where we are. Your desire is to use us in the mountaintop, in the valley, at the intersection of crazy and chaos, you want us to be used. And we confess to you today, God, that sometimes our faith is not where it should be. But we say to you today, God, come and have your way because you are faithful. And you reign forevermore. We worship your awesomeness. We worship your, your glory that covers the earth, God, we worship you because you love us. The one that spoke existence and creation into being loves us. God, help us not just to be awed by that in this moment, but help us to carry that out as we go. That surely your desire is that people would know you from every tribe, tongue, and nation. 
And we get to join you in what you're already doing. God, you are good. You are worthy. Come and have your way. I also want to lift up Teresa Maldonado to you this morning. God, you know exactly what is going on in her shoulder, in her back. You know the pain that she's experiencing. We lift up John Azell to you. You know exactly what's going on uh, in his body. We lift up Michelle Azell to you this morning, God. You know exactly what's going on there. Come and have your way. Father, would you come and minister your healing touch in the name of Jesus. For those that are bothered, that are afflicted right now with shoulder problems, Connie and Lee and Doug, and I just come and move. Would you just come and move? For those that are struggling financially, would you come, God? Would you be the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, the hope that we set our eyes on, and that it wouldn't be on the, the current situation, but we, we believe in a God that, that can provide and a God that can have His way just like this. So we pray, God, would you come and have your way? Would you come and, and interrupt our thought pattern of, of doom and gloom with your hope and your, your holiness would you come and, and help us to lift our eyes higher, God, that we, that we could reach out and, and that we could, we could share our brother and sister's burden. God, give us a kingdom perspective of what your desire to do on earth is. Because, God, if we do pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on heaven as it is in earth, God, let it not just be a mantra, but, God, let it become a reality. Speak to our hearts. Speak to our lives. We pray the same thing that they prayed in Acts 4. We pray for your boldness that we could proclaim the truth and good news of Christ even in the face of adversity. Thank you, God, that we live in a time such as this in a time where you want to come and you want to move. You want to intervene. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's say this. I know it's 1214, and man, you've already, you're on a 50-minute wait right now for lunch. Forget about it, okay? <laughs> I'm going to say this to you, though. There's going to be some people up here. You guys are up here. Uh, if you're on a ministry team, come up here. If you, if you need prayer for anything, now I say this to the youth, I'm going to say it to you. If you have a sore toe or a broken heart and anything in between, come get prayer. Stop waiting around, okay? Stop depending on yourself to make change. Come get prayer. I encourage you in that. Other than that, have a great week. Remember, LV Missions, the greatest journey, starts next Sunday. And for the next four weeks, we're going to get to hear from some dynamic people about what's going on locally and internationally because you guys support for missions. Thanks. Have a great week.